Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at BurnOrangeNation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you can find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself connected with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter, on Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic, where you can shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge, your raspy voice toast this week, like I am not every week, and I'm joined by the Paul Wald, my chameleonaire, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? The uh, One of my favorite parts about jumping on this uh, recording is Gerald will serenade me with whatever music is on his computer, he will share his audio, um, and I was privileged to watch him lip sync, lip rap, uh, dub rap, the uh, both chameleonaire and Paul Wald's parts to... Uh, to a couple of their greatest hits. I'll leave it at that. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, I, 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 there's no, no, no higher honor than to be the Paul Wall to your chameleonaire. I'm glad. I'm glad, Kyle. We've been friends for a long time, so I'm glad that you're okay with that. Leading like a gas cage, posted up like a mailbox. Moving on. Beautiful, beautiful. So we've got a lot to talk about today. Um, big weekend from Texas Athletics, Kyle. They um, did a little bit of winning. Over the weekend in mm. various different arenas. Um, and not everybody was happy about it, but that's okay because it's great <laughs> to be the Joneses. So Texas came away with the win in the Big 12 basketball tournament. They also decided to get a little froggy on the diamond and swept South Carolina on the men's side. Absolutely blasted folks on the softball side. Set some records. Got some national championship qualifiers and the pool all over there's a lot of winning, but we're going to start at the top, Kyle, and talk about the NCAA tournament and the Big 12 tournament in retrospect. So Texas, I'm just going to say this. After a lot of people called this season over about halfway through, they just decided to get hot at the right time and not only close out the season with three straight wins, but win the two games that they were able to play suck at Kansas in the Big 12 tournament to come away with the first conference championship uh, tournament in school history. Kevin Durant couldn't do it. TJ Ford couldn't do it. PJ Tucker couldn't do it. Marcus Aldridge couldn't do it. But this group with Shaka Smart won the school its first Big 12 tournament. Got to cut down the nets. Um, Matt Coleman was named uh, most outstanding player of the tournament, which, again, people want to find controversy because, you know what, it's okay, whatever. But really impressive stuff from Texas, regardless of the number of games that they played in that tournament, Kyle. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's uh, we, we said it on our podcast last week, you know, take a breath, enjoy it. It was a great season. You know, they, they uh, ended the season in one of a an historically tough Big 12 conference as the um, – you know, as one of the top seeds, they're going to have a potentially, you know, protected three to four uh, seed in the tournament. You know, even before this happened, we were saying, look, it takes some time and enjoy it. Well, your celebrations like Steve Sarkeesian's tagline need to be all gas and no brakes now because 
they just did it. You're right. They won that tournament with great players. They came up um, not even particularly close. I think they've been in five or six, uh, seven, maybe even uh, finals, tournament final uh, games, but never won one. Um, and, and many of them have, 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 again, not been very close. So the fact that, uh, that they just went out and, and did the dang thing. Um, and what a great what a great run. What a great cap to a season. What a great momentum builder for the tournament. But also more than anything, when we talked about the beginning of the season, everything that Texas basketball was, it was just the returning talent, the culture, the the depth, the, the many guys who were going to contribute, the way Shaka kind of had connections to all of them, brought them in, nurtured this class. The obvious, you know, recurring story is, is eighth grade Matt Coleman committing to Shaka. Um, this is it. This is what that all built towards. And there's something so like... I mean, Gerald and I are both people who, who, who uh, seem to always be cutting onions whenever uh, the, you know, 30 for 30s or the um, ESPN uh, kind of behind the lines or outside the lines, excuse me, um, come on and it's a good story. I feel like this Matt Coleman Shaka story culminating in this and, and as evidenced by Matt Coleman's quote, acknowledging all of you and, and no, no one who listens to this podcast, but your other Longhorn fans. And I think he said, uh, and I'm using a quote here. Um, our uh, people have uh, have have uh, defecated. I'll use that word on on Shaka. Um, they, they see it. They see the tweets. They see the takes. The message boards. Uh, the 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 local radio. You know, they they, they see it and, and they feel it and and they wanted so badly and you saw it at the end of the game the tears on coleman's face the hugging from you know god again i always get choked up thinking about the story for andrew jones coleman and you know, just like even got a smile from jericho sims the emotions of it were utterly utterly incredible and you could tell they wanted so badly like i imagine being in their shoes and feeling like a failure because you love shaka so much and people are talking about firing your coach and you want so badly to go out and protect his job and do something for him and not being able to do that uh they finally did that and again they have more chance right like they're gonna build on that it's not over there is no um no no finish there is a punctuation on that but there is no uh finish to the season there's still a lot to do um, but just the emotion of that moment for me was was special just to sit back and bask in it um, and enjoy it. Right. And just we, we've won a lot of things, you know, in Texas lately, but we haven't won uh, the big football things, the big basketball things. It's even been a couple of years since we won the big baseball thing. So uh, kind of from our major sports, it's nice, nice to have something there and, and, and just it's OK. It's OK to sit and enjoy it for a little bit. There's a moment where Shaka was by himself. Right. And. The dagger went in, and you just saw him, like, lose it. He screamed. He pumped his fists. And and Shaka is – he's an emotional guy, but I don't know if I've seen that level of, like, visceral, just unhinged, like, un – like, the guy just – he needed that. And I think you and I have long been on the let Shaka go a season without something hitting the fan guys. Like, let Shaka finally have a season where he doesn't have to suspend Snoop Roach, where his uh, star player doesn't get leukemia, where there's not a freak injury, where there's not, again, having to suspend. He's had to suspend his leading scorer on multiple times. Like, mul- <laughs> like that. So, this is what a Shaka Smart team can do. And now, again, there's probably going to be a talent exodus after this year, um, specifically in the front court. So, there's a conversation to be had about what expectations should be heading into next season. But, this is what a Shaka Smart team can be. They can be fast. They can get out in the fast break. And, and we talked about it ahead of the ahead of the season. It took Shaka a couple years to realize that what worked at the mid-major is not going to work at Texas. And when he finally got it figured out, 
His team was pretty good, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I don't think they have that weird skid in the middle if it's not for the COVID pause. I think they sweep Oklahoma State this year if it's not for the COVID pause because they were sucking wind in second overtime because a couple of guys were still getting off, like getting over COVID and having to get back in practice shape and all of that. And so, like, the legs just fell out from underneath them and, and double overtime game you're playing against Kate Cunningham, right? So, like, to me... The story of the season is not that middle chunk, but what they've done over the last five to seven games, right? Where they go out and they close out the season with three straight to tie Shaka's best regular season finish and then win a conference tournament. And and regardless of what who they didn't play, right? Regardless of the fact that Kansas couldn't keep its stuff together, which by the way, part of being a champion this year is not having that happen. That is just as important as the stuff that goes on in the court is keeping your COVID status positive or negative, I guess is probably the right way to say it. A positive situation with negative tests is the way I'm going to say that. But so that's not really consequential to the conversation. Now, yes, Texas had fresher legs so they didn't have to play a game on on um, on Friday. We can acknowledge that. I acknowledge that fact. Sure. But you know what? Sure. After being dealt a bunch of crappy hands playing OU without your coach in like two days of practice this year, I'm fine with the Shaka Smart basketball team catching a freaking break. I'm totally fine with that. And take advantage of it. They took advantage of it, and that's that's all you can ask for. Yeah, you know, win, win the games that that are on your schedule. I think we've heard that before. That's basically, you know, been the the argument um, from every SEC football fan um, for the past however many years. Um, so uh, I'm okay with it, right? It, it, I, I I won't get too much into the fan uh, the the delineation of 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 comments from various fan bases and how each one made me laugh more than the other Baylor, Oklahoma state, Kansas, um, OU, A&M, any of those. Um, the only thing I will say, I'll just leave it at that is, um, I hope that Texas A&M fans get their brackets in. I hope they really, it's not every year that you get to have a completely, um, unbiased chance at filling out a bracket without your team anywhere near it. Um, I don't even know if they'll get an NIT invite uh, for that bracket, but, um, Aggie friends, stay salty. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I'll just say this is this is they had seven ranked wins this year, one shy of their school record. They 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 beat uh, tough teams on the road. They won. I mean, you could joke, right? They they've won. Shaka's won his last three tournaments he's been in, going back to the the NIT, the Maui, and and the Big Twelve uh, that that's you know spanning a couple years. But uh, you know, th- this team and the core of it, it's all the same guys that they know how to close out in tournaments. They know how to do the dang thing. Um, so you know. Uh, until you start seeing them not do it, don't don't be mad about it. But the, the thing that was nice, look, they, they finished it out. And what that did is it bumped them all the way up. Texas finished the season ranked number nine. And you know why that ties into this podcast is because, baby, we're talking about Triple T. That's Triple T Top 10 Texas. Their first Top 10 Texas basketball finish since ending number eight in the 2010-2011 season. Texas is back, baby, their fifth Triple T finish all time um great year i'm excited to look forward so looking forward texas got its bid and there was a lot of conversation about would they be a two or a three coming out of this which by the way i'm gonna be really honest with you the way that they seated these teams is absolutely ridiculous the fact that 
West yeah. Virginia was higher than Texas and Oklahoma State. When Oklahoma State beat them twice in five days, like not it's fine if you don't care about the conference tournament, but the regular season finale also happened, right? So again, the you could you shouldn't get swept by TCU. I'll just throw that out there. But uh <laughs> So, Tex- so Texas slides in as a three season in the East region um, with and let's I'm just going to go ahead and say it, Kyle, of all of the Big 12 schools, they kind of got the easiest draw. They avoided Gonzaga and all of the other Big 12 schools. And that feels right. That feels good to me. Again, Chaka Smart teams getting a break. So, um, of I mean, they got the bottom of the one seeds. They got Michigan. So that's an advantage. And then Alabama's really good, but Alabama's the two seed there. They're really good, eight of four uh, out of conference. But again, the SEC is not a great basketball conference. I feel like most of the Big 12 schools would probably be a contender in the SEC. That's not to take any shots at the quality of, again, what Alabama's done, but the SEC is just not a great basketball conference. They open up with Abilene Christian on Saturday and then potentially play a BYU or Michigan State brought to you by Rocket Mortgage in in the round of 32. <laughs> um, <clears throat> that is one of my favorite. Col- Excuse me. <clears throat> Both struggling. Um, you just made an allusion to my favorite uh, thing of the college basketball season in 2021. Uh, that is correct. They are uh, henceforth referred to as Michigan State Spartans presented by Rocket mortgage which is incredible uh that still scares me because tom Izzo is is a legendary march coach so um if it's ucla byu or or michigan state that's still a scary too but uh again the the, the road they can basically do acu uh the winner of that which I, i'm kind of guessing byu then you have likely if you just go by seeding bama and michigan um, and then you have a you do get Gonzaga in the final four, but you're in the final four. Um, that's not the worst draw. There's a lot of teams that have tougher draws. Um, I think uh, honestly, like you said, SEC Bama, uh, I think was uh, eight and four and out of conference play. So the the fact that they really stacked their wins um, in that that SEC gives me a little hope. We played in a tougher conference. We played. Some teams just as tough or tougher than Bama all year. And Michigan is without uh, Isaiah Livers. They're they're, um, one of their best, probably one of their two best players. Um, So they are a wounded one seed. I'm not saying Michigan is bad, um, but I do kind of like how Texas matches up. So all the way through top to bottom, if Texas can get through its first two games, like I really legitimately feel this way, that that it opens up for them on the back end of this bracket. And, and, you know, the the analysts, the experts who are predicting a Final Four, um, a a lot of them are – a lot split between Bama and Texas, actually. Uh, but uh, it, 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 hope it's not a kiss of death. It is a little scary, but the reason is, is if they can play like they could play, keep their head down, keep their eye on the ball, do the right things, all the cliches, and get through the first two games, then they, they match up really well with the elite teams in this division. And all in all, again, avoiding, like you said, the Big 12 uh, teams that, you know, are nightmare fuel and are going to bust people's brackets who aren't uh, from the center of the country. Um, and uh, avoiding Gonzaga until the the Final Four. I mean, you, you couldn't have asked for, for a whole lot more than this. Um, but that's that's not to overlook. Texas opening massive. I think Abilene Christian is is a, a good team, and 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 they were one of the teams that I had circled. Um, I did some like kind of mid major research uh, this week leading up to this before the brackets were announced, and uh, I won't give them all away. We'll talk about why um, for the brackets' uh, sake, but um, 
they were a team that I liked uh, because the statistic that is 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 juicy for them is that they cause more turnovers than any team in the country. So again, that actually isn't too bad for Texas having you know a ton of returning talent as much as anyone in the country at guard with your main ball handlers and Matt Coleman has been playing at an all American level here uh, as of late and that, and that's good, but uh, you know, they have struggled with turnovers this year that there's no doubt about that. And so it will be kind of for me, the, the stat in the matchup to watch and how Texas can mitigate that um, will determine, you know, a, if they win and B, you know, how, uh, how convincingly that's the scary stat is that Abilene Christian forces turnovers. The stat that I turn to is that they're 0-2 against tournament teams. And that, to me, is the the differentiator. And, and when they're like, they're ranked head of te- Texas and adjusted D, um, but they're not that great of an offensive school. And so if Texas can get out and run, I don't think Abilene Christian can hang. That being said, if Abilene Christian can keep Texas from running, which they very much can do by forcing turnovers, and we've seen some weird mental lapses from Texas in a couple of spots that almost cost them pretty big, especially like on inbounds, like a couple of stepping over the stepping over the baseline on an inbound pass, letting an inbound pass get stolen. Like that's that'll cost you against a team like Abilene Christian. That's very very opportunistic. But Texas is favored by by I think it's six and a half points at the time of recording was the of the four three seeds. That is the smallest line that Vegas has set. But Texas is still favored, and again. If Matt Coleman is is March Matt Coleman and Jericho Sims plays like he's played in the last couple of games, and I'm really curious to see what starting group they go with in, in the first couple of rounds because they got a lot of traction from starting Kai Jones. A ton, a ton of traction yeah. from starting Kai Jones. The the I don't know, he was an incre- I mean, he won six man of the year in the conference, which much deserved, but the spark and the athleticism, and he is he's doing the things that Greg Brown was doing early in the season, where he's both playing very athletic in the post, being a big body, being a rebounder, but also knocking down the threes that Greg Brown has not been able to hit over the last couple of weeks. And so, you know, Greg Brown had the had the little bit of a meltdown uh, leaving the sideline and, and going into the locker room, and Shaq has kind of said that's water under the bridge, but he did also say, yes, I am starting Kai because of what – Greg did it's I'm curious to see because they had so much success with that lineup if that's what it looks like for the first couple of games of the tournament yeah and it'll be interesting right because uh you know Texas is the favorite team you don't necessarily have to adjust to what they're doing but Abilene Christian has a bunch of bigs they're going to throw out there uh they have a lot of guards but they they will score inside with with their bigs um I think uh four of their top five leading scorers are, are forwards or centers so um you know how they play that you know Texas kind of with their their second big if you will with Brown and and Kai Jones next to next to Sims and, and you know Ham getting in there protecting Sims he's done really well in the past month or so of not making those dumb fouls getting out of the way not challenging everything to kind of conserve because he knows what he can do on the other end um and and so you know that will be an interesting component of it um the thing to me that it ultimately comes down to is yes they force those turnovers um they're number 30 in ken palms adjusted d just right next to texas um however texas is number one in ken or excuse me no they are not number 21 i'm sorry in ken palms adjusted offense and Abilene Christian, again, like a mid-major, is a bit lower than that at 157. Um, so that is that is the difference, right? If Texas can protect the ball and, and just doesn't kind of beat themselves, um, 
then I think their offense can 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 if they want to run, Texas can outrun them. If they want to, you know, play half court uh, sets, I, I think Texas can can out execute them there. And so again, if Texas can just play its game and and not get in their own way, not get people in foul trouble, not get out of their rhythm, out of their game, out of their control, out of playing the the basketball that has got them here, um, then again, this this should be. I, I'm questioning about what the whether they'll be you know over the the six and a half or I could see this being a back and forth one where they take it by you know five points and it makes us hold our breath the entire time but I, I do feel confident that Texas just has such a peer and that's no knock on on again AC which is which is a good team I will tell you Gerald final thing the scariest thing when I saw this draw do you know what color and mascot? Abilene Christian uh, is is rolling out there. Uh, it's purple for sure, and the Wildcats. They are the purple Wildcats, and everyone who's ever listened to this podcast knows um, how deeply uh, my feelings run for purple teams, and 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 how deep my hate for purple teams with a Wildcat logo runs. So um, it may be cathartic. You know, we we may exercise some demons together uh, while we watch this one on True TV, but. Um, yeah, that 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 is the only pause. That is the only the scariest of all the stats about AC for me. So Texas will take on Abilene Christian on Saturday and catch that one, and then um, Michigan State UCLA is a pretty pretty salty uh, play in game. Uh, but they'll whoever wins that will play BYU, and then Texas will play if they beat Abilene Christian, the winner of BYU, and then whichever Michigan State or UCLA comes out of that extra game. So another team that decided to do some winning and move into the top 10, the baseball team undefeated on the week, completing a series sweep bust out the brooms uh, of number 12, South Carolina, jumping nine spots in the ranking. Kyle, it looks good on them. It looks very good, Gerald. You're right. Um, They, you know, they got to sweep a ranked SEC team that, that again, felt like some catharsis after what happened. Since we won't talk about it, they had to play the number one, two, and four team in the country um, and didn't start out in, with no practice, whatever, whatever. They're 11 and two in their last 13 since then, including an SEC sweep. Um, uh, this was a good week. This is a real, real good week. Those nine spots, I think 19 was everyone in the country who watches college baseball knows was a misleading and, and almost scary because it lulls you into a false sense of security if you had to play them. Um, 10 is probably the range. Let's see if we can make that number even smaller, but. Uh, they they threw in a fifteen to nine win over Sam Houston State before getting there. Um, I think outscored South Carolina fifteen to six over three games. So very 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 good stuff this week. Um, which of the games impressed you most, Joe? Um, I mean Friday was very uncharacteristic of Ty Madden giving up three hits. What's wrong? <laughs> now uh, Ty, Ty Madden Ty Madden pitched to Jim. Uh Tristan Stevens got it done as well. I think those were the two that if we're looking at what is going to get it done long term for Texas, I mean pitching is what gets it done in the postseason, right? Pitching is what gets it done in the postseason. So seeing that Texas has two legitimate guys who can win you a game in both again Madden and Stevens and, and South Carolina is a team that that puts up some runs. So I seeing them both kind of shut down the the South Carolina bats was impressive for me. So you asked me for one, I gave you an overarching <laughs> theme, and I don't care. 
Yeah. The other thing, Madden, only five Ks through seven innings, just drastically dropping in the uh, strikeouts to number 11 in the country, still first in the Big 12. Um, Inexcusable. I know. Also first in the Big 12 in hits per nine, even with that crazy three-hit outing. But Friday night tie, I mean, you just – it's good stuff. He's hes hes elite. He's, you know, enjoying while you got him type of stuff. Um I, I, I like Zach Zubia. I like that in that, that first game he came up clutch in the eighth. He actually has 16 RBIs on the season and nine of them in the past four games. So I really like – I kind of said it early, you know, when your big giant anchor of a, a four-hitter um, – is is swinging the bat all of a sudden the bats just come alive around him um and and i think him dragging you know the team forward is 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 fantastic um and and really welcoming right that's you know we have a couple different um different bats right now who who can carry the team on any given night and i like that that's a really good uh really good sign if the arms can keep doing what they're doing i think that you know that balance should be fantastic um like you, the second shutout of the season is great. The um, I I really liked actually the uh, Tanner Witt coming in in that Sunday game, getting his first career win. I mean, again, enjoy it while you got it. The guys, you know, just got the talent of a top fifteen, you know, type of pick, and and uh, you know he, he's. He, however long he's on the 40 you know enjoy his talent but um you know we'll, we'll see where he breaks in by the end of the year but the, the other thing was the defense right and I, I thought Trey Faltini was just great he had going left going right a couple highlight plays um he, he led the team with uh, 12 putouts and and from the other side you know walked twice scored twice drove in another you love love to see that uh, but he's leading the big 12 right now 47 assists uh for putouts and and third uh, in the conference with with nine double plays turn he's like a 970 fielding percentage right now he's just looking good you know he's 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 stealing bases uh we'll talk about that in a little bit um he's uh you know he he got a home run he's driving in runs he's playing great defense i'm really liking um you know from the guy who uh had all the promise in the world and, and came in swinging with if it ain't burnt it ain't turnt he continues to uh to be a, one of the favorites to watch so um yeah, I, 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 I'm feeling really good about some Triple T top 10 Texas baseball. So there was a shot in the, I think it was a Saturday game. They were off the diamond to the dugout, and Trey Faltini was in the background wearing some, like, stunner shades. And I referred to him as my son because I was so proud of him in that moment. And then my actual son got really confused about why I had another kid on the TV. I'm just telling you that story because that's how much I love Trey Faltini. I'm a huge, huge fan of Trey Faltini, both in both in look and swagger and in what he can do on the on the diamond. That's amazing. Uh, I. He he could be your son, um, Gerald. I'll, I'll take uh, my my darling, uh, Douglas Hodo, um, who, in addition to riding a a twelve game reaching base streak, is is um, incredibly smooth with the uh, with the the dugout ball game. He he shows some soccer skills with the ability to uh, to toe flick uh, those missed balls back up. I I don't know if you saw the Texas social media team uh, put out a video, but I think we posted it on our our Instagram as well. But uh, the man is smooth in all sports, it seems. But uh, you we, we can each have our, our our favorite baby boys. I love it. So Texas, after a rough start. People were like really ready to like get after David Pierce after the 0 3 start. Um, they're 11 and 2 in the last 13 games, doing really, really well. But they'll face UT Rio Grande Valley on Tuesday before a weekend series against Baylor to open Big 12 play. So, quickly, we do want to talk about the football team and the guys who are looking to head to the professional levels. And there were some really impressive numbers 
at the Texas Pro Day. Nine players participated. Caden Stearns came out of the gate hot, running a 4-4-40 and a 42-inch vertical, which are, we knew he was kind of a freaky athlete and had been dealing with injuries, but to see those numbers on paper, really, really impressive. Joseph Osai also made himself a ton of money with this mm. workout. Yeah, I, I, you said it with the Caden Stearns, and it made my heart sad again um, what he can be without injuries. And you just think, hey, maybe he's healthy uh, for the first time in two years, and, and it translates to doing absolutely ridiculous uh, ridiculous things. Um, Osai, just get, get paid, son. Um, I, you know, I, I thought – other people, I think, I think Cosme, um, who you know had opted out, and we've been wanting to see, looked pretty svelte, looked pretty quick, ran like somewhere in the four eight range. Um, you know, was, was hustling uh, for a big man. Um, was excited to see that. Brennan Ingles, a guy who is just a physical specimen. I think you know people will look at a four five forty, four five five forty on him to go with his size, and you know that will turn some heads with without a doubt. Just his physical tools. Um, you know, they excited us in college and they will excite NFL GMs, but it's very excited for the other receiver, uh, Tariq Black getting getting a four five three. Um, that's not exactly the speed it looked like on that one catch where he got chased down by like thirty yards behind. Um, but uh the dude the dude looked good. I'll, I'll say that. I, I I like to see every Longhorn uh, show out, go to the next level, be great there, be better. We've had a trend of that, be better even there than you were here. So I'm I'm rooting for for every single one of these guys. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see where they end up. You know, Sam threw really well, according to many reports. Mm. And again, just seeing these guys have one more opportunity. Also seeing the bubble make national conversation about how bad it is. Uh, Daniel <laughs> Jeremiah, a scout who I love, um, he was just like, this is terrible. Literally, it was like, this is awful. So uh, hopefully that lights get a fire under them to replace the bubble because the bubble is now like a million years old. So get rid of it. Yeah. And and just go ahead and uh, upgrade it because we're Texas and we've got the money to do it. But that brings us to the part of the show where we whip around campus and give you all of the other sports in a quick fire fashion. And we down the 40. So number 10 softball didn't want to leave all the winning to the fellas and took four games over the weekend to move to 15 and two on the season. Nine and one over Tarleton in six innings, 11 to two in five innings over Texas Southern. And then just because apparently somebody at Tarleton did something to someone, I'm not sure who, <laughs> 21 to five over Tarleton in five innings, and then capped the weekend off with a 10 to seven win over BYU. Kyle, eight run rules already on the season. 17 games, eight run rules. That's ridiculous. A good, that's, that's a good ratio. That's like a Darren Ravel tweet uh, type of ratio, you know, a lot. Uh, his are in the wrong place, but um, a, a lot on the, uh, the run ruling side. I really like that. Uh, they had two walk-off run rules where I think they, 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 you know, on the fifth inning hit home runs to end in both the Texas Southern and Tarleton games. Um, and that brings me to home runs. We need to talk about this, Gerald, because um, Texas is just, bashing the ball there as a team they're on pace to break the team record 2010 they had 88 homers which is 30 after the 17 games they've played they're currently ahead of that with 32 um and no single player 
in Longhorn history has hit more of the first 17 than senior Shannon Rhodes, nine right now. Lindsey Stevens at seven at this mark in 2014. Um, she's basically averaging a home run every 5.7 at bats. Hold on to your hats here, folks. During her 18 home run record season in 2012, our girl, Taylor Hoagland, hit one every 9.9 at bats. She's almost doing double what Taylor Hoagland, again, one of the greatest softball hitters I've ever seen. On um, Mount Rushmore. On our, on our softball Mount Rushmore, that's right. Um She's 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 almost half of that, so it's it's really special. Um, if you get a chance to watch, it's fun because I mean, home runs are fun, it, it, no matter what level of sport you're watching. Um, but in softball, uh, it it McCombs Field, which congrats on the I think the 500th win all time at McCombs Field. Watching the bats just or the balls just fly off those bats uh, over fences. I mean, it just it, it's fun. Like it's home run derby right now, and that's to me that's amazing. I, I'm I'm loving it. There's something about the sound of a ball hitting a metal bat that mm-hmm. makes baseball a billion times more enjoyable, whether it's <laughs> softball or baseball, right? Either sport, that that metal on ball sound is just absolutely. So they'll travel to Louisiana for a Tuesday matchup with McNeese and then a Wednesday doubleheader against number 15, Louisiana. So double dipping in the boot. But moving to the tennis court, so number two women's tennis team swept their second consecutive um, Big 12 opponent, a 7-0 win over top 50 Iowa State. They're going to host uh, Oklahoma State this weekend. Men's tennis took down Rice 6-1. to They caps an undefeated. They were on the road for four consecutive matches um, that included wins over number 26 uh, Oklahoma State and number 28 Oklahoma during that run, which is a really, really good run. Uh, they're going to take home. They finally get to enjoy some home cooking against number 18, Arizona, on Friday. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> number two for the women, number six for the men. Tennis is looking to be in a great spot. So volleyball just continue to do just bullying folks, just absolutely bullying folks. A 3 nothing sweep over the uh, Island University, Texas A&M, Corpus Christi. Uh, then they're going to jump to uh, San Marcos to take on Texas State on Tuesday. Women's basketball won a close one over Iowa State in the first round of the Big 12 tournament, 84-82 in overtime before running into the buzzsaw. That is the Baylor Bears in the second round to make a second-round exit. But on the strength of... Their performance received a six seed in the tournament. will take on Missouri Valley Conference Tournament champs Bradley next Monday, 7 p.m. ESPN 2. Gerald, I, I tweeted this out and I spoiled uh, my – did this for the fans, but I spoiled my, my trivia for you. But we talked about it off air and we actually shared the same thought, but I will quiz you nonetheless. Before seeing my tweet, what did you think the Bradley mascot – would be 100% Bulldogs. 100%. Bradley Bradley Bulldogs. And I, and, I'm, and I know we got a lot of Bradley fans listening to this here, the inside scoop for this one. Um, concrete suggestion. Bradley Bulldogs just sounds correct. It's actually the Bradley Braves. They've pivoted a bit. Um, and and their, their mascot currently um, is utterly uh, amazing. He is uh, Kaboom, the gargoyle. Um, 
So I love it. I think they, they leaned in and went funky and weird with it. And uh, I'm 100% for it. I wish them all the best in their non-Texas endeavors. But, um, yeah, I can't, can't root for him in this one. But the, I do like that they have a gargoyle uh, who will be, if he gets to travel, I guess, or she or whatever, uh, to the uh, to the tournament in San Antonio. Uh, roaming the sidelines, there will be a, a, a gargoyle. But there was also some Big 12 awards that came out. Gerald Charlie Collier was unanimous first team all Big 12 selection. Chosen of the league's all defensive first team as well. Um, and then we had three players, Joanne Allen Taylor, Kyrie Lambert, uh, soon to be Coach Lambert, and Celeste Taylor, all earning honorable mention. So um, good, good, good outcome there. Now just go, you know, three rounds deep in the in the tournament, and uh, you're laying a pretty good foundation for 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 Vic's dynasty. I'm excited to see it. They're playing at Texas State to open it up in what's called the the. We could talk about how San Marcos and in San Antonio aren't really close enough to be considered part of the same bubble, but that's another conversation for another day. You could read my my article in college when I advocated that the the Austin San Antonio corridor should be uh, should be used as one uh, metric to attract a professional football team, the same way that the DFW is for Dallas. It's you know it's thirteen years old or something now in its stats, but uh, a great read nonetheless. <laughs> That's an aside. Men's swimming and diving, uh, had men's and women's swimming and diving, excuse me, had 13 different qualifiers. I guess uh, qualifiers in 13 different events because some of them just decided to double dip, which is absolutely incredible. Track and field, 20 Longhorns earned 26 All-American honors, bringing Coach Floreal's count to a whopping 80 one All-Americans in just two seasons. And then, Kyle, I, I missed this initially, and you're the one that tweeted it out. But Tara Davis decided to just, you know, absolutely float through the Amazing. air. And uh, on their way to winning a national championship, jumped 6.93 meters. Kyle, what's that in American? Uh, in, in, in U.S. Uh, measurements, that's, uh, that's just a smidge under 23 feet. That's 22.9, um, and that's also a all-time collegiate uh, record. Your, your float is the right word. Um, it was majestic. I mean, it looked like it was a, a super slow-mo, you know, whatever that special camera is um shot where she just hung in the air for like six seconds after she jumped it was it, it was majestic that's the only word uh i could say go to our twitter and you can see it in there somewhere or, or you know just search tara davis she deserves it um but uh yeah deserve it national champion tara davis so number nine men's golf is probably actively playing golf by the time you're listening to this. They are currently hosting the George Hannon Collegiate Invitational at the UT Golf Club. No casitas to be found, though, Monday and Tuesday <laughs> of that. They're currently, uh, at the end of day one, at the time of recording, 9.15 on a Monday, sit at 11 under in second place. All right, Gerald, let's take it now to the uh, Godzilla-tron. I'm going to skip. The only burn orange lenses I had to talk about was Jackson Haynes's dunk, where he dunked a man into orbit, but it's a respect for that man's soul, his family, um, in just his general, you know, uh, standing as a human being. I'm going to skip that and go straight into Godzillatron. We talk about the giant screens we're watching uh, and what we are watching on them. Gerald, what are you watching? So, my I'm normally the one that that like picks what we watch because my wife doesn't care that much by the end of most days. But I was I sometimes I'll force her to pick stuff or I'll ask her if, what she wants to watch, and so. Uh, she picked a show on, on Amazon called Modern Love, 
which if you haven't seen it, it is uh, not your typical like it's it's a it's a anthology. It's got multiple different stories going on, and we're only I'm only a couple episodes in. She watched it when our son was first born, and now wants to rewatch it because well she's sleeping now. So, um, but we watched the first episode, and it was absolutely incredible. Like such, and it's not like you know people are gonna people can think whatever about oh it's a romance. It's like. It's well written, well acted, and like modern love is very fitting because it's kind of like real life stuff, which I'm totally okay with. And um, I can't remember the actress's name who's the lead in this first episode, but she crushes it. She's also, you heard me talk about Mythic Quest way back when, she's in like the best episode of Mythic Quest as well, and she's also in Palm Springs, which is a movie I haven't seen, but because of her, I was, I'm not like... I'm not the Andy Samberg kind of guy, but she's the, she's his opposite in that movie. And because she's in it, now it's on my watch list. So, A Modern Love on Amazon. Real, real good. Uh, it's a great cast. Are you, You've you just watched the first episode so just far? Is that what? Um, there is a fantastic cast. They I won't give too much away, but they you know there's different stories that, that ultimately layer in. I watched the beginning of Quarantine. Again, at the suggestion of my wife. But, um, you know, uh, from... Madman Roger Sterling, I can't think of his actual name. Uh, is That's it his a, name? Yeah, that is his name. Tina Fey, Dev Patel. Um, there's there's great folks kind of all around, and a bunch of different endearing stories that are you know different types of relationships cross uh, generational. Um, it's very 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 good. Very just soul kind of warming. I think you're specific. I think you specifically, uh, your taste will, will, um, will match well with it, Gerald, what I know of you and what I know of the show. It's been a while since I saw it again as the beginning of quarantine, but I liked it a lot. I remember. I'm going to take that as a compliment. It is. It's because you have a good heart is what I meant. So I, Gerald, this is also meant to be a compliment. And I hope when my wife listens to this, she doesn't listen to this, uh, podcast. She understands that, but I had a, a six degrees of separation moment after about an hour spent. Um, how did we start and how did we end? And I'm just going to outline it at the top for everyone. Um, but ultimately, we went from Manchester United to Voldemort. And for those of you haters, uh, you would say that's an obvious and very easy uh, jump. Because again, haters, uh, they they hate us because they want to be us. Hate us because they ain't us. Um, but uh, during halftime of the Manchester United match, which I was watching, a Tony Romo Skechers commercial came on. Started talking to my wife about Tony Romo, and uh, you know she recognized him and said, "Oh, that's what that guy's up to." And I said, "Oh, well, yes, he's also very good at, at calling football games, elite. Even he's even better at that than he is as a golfer." My wife loves Justin Timberlake, and I said, "You know, Tony Romo and Justin Timberlake both are like." a couple strokes away from being like good enough to be on, on the pro circuit golfers. They're both elite amateur golfers, um, which she obviously found interesting and then thought, aha, you know what? My wife also maybe the only human being in love who just loves, loves, adores just in, in, in a non-ironic way, loves Kevin James, which is so odd. Um, but, uh, she also loves the hit YouTube show, hot ones and uh kevin james was recently on hot one so she pulled up the kevin james episode to show me specifically he made apparently some documentary with ray romano about trying to make like the cut something during that hot ones challenge they asked uh him about top three all-time all-time grossing rom-com hitch and i had to pause it and say what hitch is number three and obviously pull up the list um couldn't believe uh what women want 
It's number two. My Big Fat Greek Wedding. That makes sense. But Pretty Woman at number four uh, was shocked by all of these things. Started talking about rom-coms with my wife. Um, ultimately, she uh, says, yeah, you know, that was the golden age. The 2000s, you just kind of picked uh, a male star or a female star and some quirky premise. Uh, you know, against all odds, they fall in love. Um, and she started citing off movies. She said, oh, you know what? Actually, sometimes it wasn't even a big, you know, actor if you had a big female star because j-lo um was in wedding planner and matthew mcconaughey big star but was also in uh made in manhattan and she said and that guy what has he ever done and i said i'm i'm, I'm not recalling 2004 or whatever's made in manhattan let me google the the character list Friends and neighbors, the, the the male lead playing the mayor of New York City uh, in, in that uh, fantastic film made in Manhattan. I don't even know how you say his last name. I think it's Rafe Fiennes. Uh, Fiennes. 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 British theater Shakespearean all time. He's been in like 97 movies. Um, all star. Who was in both the English Patient. Uh, he played the bad guy in Schindler's List with incredible aplomb. Um, to my wife was the guy who happened to be the love interest in, in Made in Manhattan. And so I said, well, look at his IMDb. And she's like, no, I don't, uh, the, you know, whatever. But then she pulls up his top six Google before you scroll. And it does not include any of the Harry Potter movies. So she's like, what do you mean I know this guy? And I was like, keep looking, keep looking. So as she hits more, folks, if you did not know this, Made in Manhattan star went on to play noseless Voldemort in the Harry Potter series. Um, So if you, please tweet at me. If you also thought that, tell me again, Gerald, is it Rafe Fiennes? Fiennes? Fiennes. Fiennes. Fines, Rafe Fines. He has it's it's not pronounced the way it's spelled, guys. Give me a break. I type it. I don't speak it. Uh, when Rafe Fines' career, if you also share the opinion that you think it peaked, uh, or, or or test your significant other and see if they have this opinion with critically acclaimed rom com made in Manhattan, please tweet at me with replies of Texas directly at my Twitter account at Kyle Carpenter or at the show if you'd like, um, and, and let me know. Um, but but that was my six degrees of Kevin Bacon from Manchester United to Voldemort. So a little different Godzilla Tron this week, but I I could not share that. That was a long that was a long thing. And Hitch it makes sense that Hitch was like the Will Smith in 05 like printed money, oh, yeah. right? Oh yeah. But I'll oh, always yeah. remember Hitch as being the second most lopsided rom com <laughs> couple. Um, second only to uh, Jack Black and Kate Winslet in The Holiday. Uh, yeah. That's th- those Which two. Is... Kevin James, Kevin James, and I cannot remember the actress. Amber, um, Amber uh, Valletta, I think is her name in Hitch, is the is the heiress that Kevin James somehow woos in Hitch. Um, but yeah, lops, lopsided rom-com couples is my favorite discussion to have. But that random conversation brings us to the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum, brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? Uh, first, I'm going to bang the drum. and I'm going to make this a recurring segment. I'm going to bang the drum on Triple T, give you an update on the counter. We are at 11 
11 programs in the top 10. It's nuts. Number one, men's swimming. Number two, volleyball. Number two, women's tennis. Number two, rowing. Number three, women's track. Number six, men's tennis. Number eight, women's swimming. Number 10, men's track. Number 10, softball. Oh, sorry. And the updates as of today. Number nine, men's basketball. Number nine, men's golf. I went out of order there. But uh, the only teams that aren't there, women's golf just outside uh, women's basketball. But again, remember, they have a uh, three top 20 players showing up next year. And then soccer. Uh, again, the number one player just showed up and they won their first match for zero. Don't forget, soccer has three other top 10 players. That's four total coming next season. So that's going to be short for this world. More Triple T coming at you. But what I want to bang the drum quickly, because I know I've, I've gone long on my past ones, is uh, all gas, no breaks. And, and, and that that is an ethos. That is not just a football maxim anymore. That is that is sport agnostic. And I'm going to give you a couple examples of that. Texas... Um, Transfer in baseball this year, Mike Antico leads the Big 12, is seventh nationally in steals as a team. The Longhorns are running. The running horns, um, the Longhorn run, um, 24 stolen bases is uh, 16th in the country. Um, you know, it is, it makes, Augie Ball was all about the little things, about moving people into that scoring position, about bunting, about stealing, uh, being efficient when you do it. And, and it warms my heart to see that they are, they are all gas on the diamond. Um, additionally, uh, we talked about track. We talked about how many All-Americans Coach Floreal is putting um, indoor and outdoor and track. We're, we're starting the outdoor season. Records are there to be broken. So all gas all over the track. Um, and then I'm going to give the, an, the antithesis here. Right now, Texas basketball according to Ken Palm's adjusted tempo is 137th, according to NCAA.com's uh, pos- uh, possessions per game, they're 140. That's just kind of in the middle of the country. It ain't great. But what do we all know? What does the eye test tell you when you watch Texas basketball games? When Texas gets out and runs, when they go all gas, when they turn uh, turnovers, rebounds, defensive stops, into Kai Jones against a guy seven inches shorter than him uh, in transition to Greg Greg Brown jumping from the free throw line and almost you know hitting his his neck on on the rim to to Jericho Sims going up into the you know the upper deck of the drum to grab a basketball and dunk it back down um, those matchups get there those alley oops those uh, Andrew Jones taking it to the hole um, the the uh, <laughs> Brock Cunningham layups. Uh, he could dunk, I bet, I bet, in practice. He would never dare in a game. Um, those happen when they are all gas. And so I could give more examples, right? Number one, men's swimming. They're, they're, they're setting records all year. They got the nationals coming up. Women's nationals this week, men's next week. Um, there's gas all over the place. People are going fast. Right now, Texas sports is fun because it's fast. Uh, men's basketball. You got, you got a, a March Madness ahead of you. Let's be all gas, baby. I want speed. I want running fast break and dunking points and uh, all gas, no breaks all the way to the final four. I'm down for it. Lob city, lob, lob city. Keep it running. So I'm banging the drum this week on hatred, Kyle, (laughs) and not hatred coming from us because that's not really what we do, but hatred coming in the burn orange direction. So immediately after Texas won the big 12 conference tournament, Somebody went to the Wikipedia page and put 2021 with an asterisk next to it. And I'm going to go ahead and say that if we've got that much real estate in your dome 
that you feel the need to update a Wikipedia page with an asterisk next to it. Like, just stay mad for the rest of your days because we're not going anywhere. And you know what? Even in the worst decade of Texas athletics, everybody still, still couldn't stand that we made more money than them. They couldn't stand that we got the favorable time slots. They couldn't stand. And so now that Texas is finally seeing some success, the wet blankets are starting to come out. And you know what? (laughs) Keep trying to toss them. And we're going to keep having fun. The tide is turning. And it feels that way. And you know what? I could eat my words 12 months from now, whatever. But (laughs) I'm sitting high right now. We got national champions setting records. We got 13 folks fixing to win swimming national championship. We've got Texas basketball with a pretty easy... uh, Not... um, Got Texas basketball with a pretty, uh, pretty favorable look in the the NCAA tournament. So like, I'm feeling good right now. And so the fact that people are so threatened mm. by Texas actually reclaiming the spots that they've held before, that they're trying to come up with excuses and reasons why Texas doesn't deserve it, is just music to my ears. There's a there's a there's a scene from. Uh, Parks and Rec, and I'll close with this, where um, Leslie Nope is trying to sway a uh, Dennis Feinstein to get him on her side. And he says some really unpopular things. People start booing him. And he gets on the megaphone and simply screams, I'm nourished by your hatred. <laughs> and that's how it feels to be Texas right now. Uh, oh, I love Parks and Rec so much. Um the 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 thing that came to my head as you were talking was was a different comedy from slightly older of of uh, Cartman um, just just lapping up uh, tears and and uh, the yummy tears of unfathomable sadness I believe is what he says and um, you couldn't say it any better than the tweet die mad about it um, keep coming in the mentions and and keep it like. You only understand how wonderful it feels to be at the top and have people trying to snipe away at your ankles when you are up here. For those of you doing it, Aggies, Baylor Bears, Oklahoma State, OU, Kansas, etc., 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 etc. You don't understand. You, you, maybe one day you'll be there, but you clearly aren't. This this type of behavior. Uh, confirms that that uh, you're looking up at daddy and uh, and and things are pretty good up here. So uh, yeah, Joe, that's chef's kiss. Love it. So that's all we've got for you this week. If you want to, we'd love to have you as part of. We've got a bracket challenge going on ESPN. Just search for Longhorn Republic. It's public. You can join it. Uh, picks lock on Thursday, so you can hop in and join. We'd love to have you as part of that. Just a little friendly competition and. Yeah, it'll be it'll be good to just have a little community going. We'd love to have you as part of that. Uh, you can follow us on social media. We are at Longhorn Pod on Twitter. You shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? Oh, you can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Carbon. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter at GH Goodridge. You can also check out my other podcast, Two Woke Nerds. We break down the end of WandaVision and where things go from there. We also, Kyle have a special episode of this podcast coming to you on Thursday. You heard it here first. We're going to have a one-on-one, me and 
Texas legend Kat Osterman gave us 15 minutes to talk about some uh, cool philanthropic work she's doing and uh, just where she's at right now. She's kind of on a farewell tour. She's got one more Olympics, one more season as a professional, and then she's hanging up the cleat. So we got to talk to her about that. So that'll hit your podcast feeds on Wednesday. Thank you so much for tuning in again this weekend. Until next time, hook them. Hook them and stay mad.